Currently, in the month of January, where 75% of the world is colder than hell, you can ask other people around you in your local business or your local bus stop honest questions like how do you reverse frostbite after it occurs at 5 a.m. in the morning when your power goes out or other questions like how are you seriously able to smoke a cigar, cigarette, marijuana, and vape simultaneously after your power goes out even though the temperature is currently the same temperature as the surface of the moon. But if you don't want the same old, same old questions to be answered by the same old, same old answers, like sleep it off while you sleep off the marijuana, and it doesn't affect me because I've had a great day and it's just making my day better before I sleep off the marijuana, then you could look no further than the recent religious news this week that I'm somehow not making up. Netflix, which is currently not called Netflakes in order to sound like another Dogecoin while also competing with dozens upon dozens of cereal brands that cost $37 each because of, out of control inflation and containing the sugar content similar to four tons of syrup in one bowl, decided to release a film with the full collaboration of a well-known Indian film company where the main character is basically depicted as a female version of Ralph Fiennes from the movie The Menu, but just one that people actually wanted to watch at first because of the differentiated cultural diversity that wasn't a remake of Hell's Kitchen as a movie with actual violence and Ralph Fiennes. While portraying the main characters as the lower caste individuals in Hinduism eating only meat dishes while they also depicted another god eating meat, which is somehow something I'm also not making up which is basically like saying God is not great in Iran at the top of your lungs. When encountering as to why Netflix decided to shoot the film with this intention, they decided to pull the entire film after only one week while not mentioning the director by name since it was intended to be far left and non-offensive already and because the article was from the New York Post. Indian Hindu culture dictates that eating meat is almost completely forbidden which therefore led the entire screenwriters to the conclusion that having everyone eat that same forbidden food while copying the menu movie was apparently the best plotline that they could come up with because some other producers were busy writing perky blunders in the next room over, which apparently wasn't written to offend the entire British population, even while being about British criminals. While of course the whole co-producers and writers had on their minds, and quite truly honestly the only thing they had on their minds was a big juicy steak for some reason, which led to an impromptu trip to Outback Steakhouse where they apparently wrote the rest of the script. Anna Paris, which is the movie in question if I'm not mispronouncing that word, which kind of sounds like another type of Williamson Sonoma, if that already doesn't sound offensive enough, while also making the titles sound like they're pulling a fake Hindu deity out of thin air, which is exactly what they did, but probably won't end up getting interpreted that way, since everyone who wanted it was a liberal leftist who doesn't know the Sanskrit language, and the fact that there are already 330 million gods and goddesses that exist in Hinduism, and they weren't paying attention in high school religion class because of the Unitarian Church down the street. The director of the film, who wishes to remain anonymous because it's the New York Post, also is named Nilesh Krishna, where he stated a total of two times that the movie was not meant to offend the entire Hindu population, which was conservative, which calls for another impromptu trip to Outback Steakhouse for season two that won't be released because everyone ignores the fact that the whole Hindu population is conservative. His name also just so happens to mean an alternate name for Vishnu, 
which it just so happens to mean preserver, but just not that he was trying to preserve the tradition, apparently. And Krishna, who also just so happens to be one of the three main Hindu gods of creation, and the whole fact of the matter of creation and recreation, that probably won't make a movie where a Hindu individual is eating meat the entire time, which also isn't the name Shaiva or Destroyer of Worlds, which probably would have worked better since he's so good at destroying his own tradition for whatever reason, and who by the New York Post is simply referred to as anonymous. Nilesh then declared after the show was removed weeks after its release that it wasn't intended to offend an entire nation of conservative Hindu groups, and that he would be going on a trip to every country in the Middle East saying Allah is not great to promote his new unnamed movie about how a Muslim volleyball team tries to win the big game so they can eat pork tenderloin at a cookout while holding a trophy given, them, given to them by Will Ferrell after he hosts the Oscars. My best friends at the Religious News Service have released an article entitled The Bible Suggests That Even God Is Lonely, Why Don't Religious People Ever Talk About It? Parentheses, a nihilistic view on what God is when you get fired from your only job. Saying, quote, and I'm actually somehow not making this quote up, quote, Having a robot as your only friend, because the first time you got off of clickbait porn was 47 years ago, and renting a relative might only be mildly, absurdly, absolutely illegal to normal people, but it can also be quite noble when you're a nihilist like us. Loneliness is not a state of depravity requiring a cure, because we get paid to say there isn't anything real, and loneliness isn't a sin, because sin doesn't exist, since we have no morals already, and the eradication of loneliness is not possible because life has no meaning without having any meaning, while having meaning without having any meaning, which makes sense. Without these known facts of reality, we would never be able to ignore continuously the biblical statements about loneliness with the biblical tale of Elijah, who we get confused with Isaiah somehow, and loneliness is great when you're in a strip club like all nihilists are." Unquote. They then pitched the movie idea entitled Nihilistic Loneliness Anonymous, which would be an endorsement by the New York Post, which is a new movie miniseries to be released on Netflix where Edward Norton just eats a steak at Outback Steakhouse the whole entire time and talks about how his day was horrible but decently okay because nothing matters, where Nihilish will be set to direct as soon as he gets out of Middle Eastern prison. But one thing is for certain, that Edward Norton does not smoke, like all these other people in negative 10 degree weather, and they'll still continue to give you the same answer when you ask them how they do it. I'm Jonathan Eiser, this is The Rights Perspective Show. If you're a coffee drinker, and by the way I'm pretty sure you are since upwards of 85% of people every day, both millionaires and billionaires and everyday people like myself, 
do all the time. You need to drink Black Rifle coffee, considering they were started by a military family and support the First and Second Amendments and every other amendment in general. I enjoy the loyalty roast, and as soon as you start enjoying it, you'll be loyal to their cup of coffee instead of the random watered-down Monday morning coffee everyone secretly hates. Go online to their website and order today. Make sure to subscribe to my future YouTube channel. I promise that I will actually post the live action feed of the show there soon. I can't promise that it will be edited perfectly like every millionaire YouTube 18 year old, but I will post the YouTube version as soon as I am verified and have the show up there and running in the next couple of days. Also leave a comment on the show and like and rate the show. And if you like and rate the show, there's a heavy possibility that another person will expose another Freemason ritual before Halloween. And it also helps to discuss uh, my discussion of religious news media with the whole of the universe and discuss the right perspective. Thank you to my listeners in India, Malawi, Canada, the U.S., Argentina, France, Thailand, and the United Kingdom. In our current environment situation where everyone is trying to cancel everyone else besides themselves, in an environment where everything is deemed offensive, we have to discuss the issue first with the recent Hindu film fiasco that is stated, or as stated, was axed almost immediately. There's a couple reasons why that is. First, because nobody can take a joke anymore in any way, and honestly, if Netflix decided to make this movie a comedy, it might have had the chance of working and particularly not getting completely utterly canceled, that is, as long as South Park, I guess, supported it. Secondly, everything that's actually heavily offensive is thoroughly ignored, as one example being Satanism and other sort of examples in politics that are completely utterly evil, and thus the actual offensive problems as a result happen more frequently. We get to a more so frequent and more so secretive problem in both Hinduism and in Christian Catholicism. We'll first look at the issue of the aspects that are currently being manipulated politically and spiritually, and then we'll look at the issues in Hinduism where the same aspect is continuing to occur. And this happens time and time again within politics, within normal social life, and is heavily involved in nearly every single action of society, at least nowadays. As The Guardian has reported, a Russian Orthodox priest faces expulsion for refusing to pray for victory over Ukraine. Church court says Alensky Amensky broke his oath by refusing to recite prayer for Holy Rush, which the church has made compulsory at services, and which prayer for Holy Rush means prayer for Holy Russia, and that being said, the victory over Ukraine. And this is utterly a tragic thing for a church as a whole to participate in, and it's one of the long-standing reasons why people don't currently enjoy church anymore, because they see church as a people warring with other people versus an actual call to holiness and God-given protection. Now, these types of prayers, as they're discussed, are actually not done within all the other churches around the whole of the world. They're really done in countries that are ruled by dictatorship. But the types of prayers that are done here in the U.S. when it comes to the Orthodox Church, and I have been to an Orthodox Church before, they press the importance of doing the sign of the cross first from left to right at any point that allows you to draw yourself back to God within the church building and stress that it's important to do so out of the church building. And also, 
to pray on your own in Greek and in English over and over again during the service on your own in order to do the same practical application. This is again something that is ignored in the liberal churches and also sadly in the Protestant churches at high rates. Now if you missed it, the Russian Orthodox Church ends up wanting to align with Putin far more than Christ making Putin a new Christ figure just as bad as Little Nas X's take on being a Christ figure from the last week and a half. For those who don't relate, and for those who don't completely understand, expulsion means that a priest will utterly be barred from the church and from serving at his post as a priest, deacon, cardinal, or any other type of helper. Excommunication means wholeheartedly that a person is barred, or a priest, or any other person, etc., is barred from communion but not from church necessarily. At least nowadays, it means this. All the way back in the other centuries, it meant something different. Excommunication was basically the same as expulsion, but now we switch up the wording so that we can try to make people actually be able to be accepted back in the church again, which is to some degree a positive, persistent aspect, but it doesn't fully actually allow people to be more attracted to the church after it happens, and that's one of the whole issues. And obviously this isn't really an issue within Protestant denominations. They don't normally do this. They'll normally just kick you out, and that's, of course, another type of hardship. Expulsion and excommunication together in the Catholic Christianity perspectives are just as bad as each other and end up meaning sure demise for the person barred and stand as another reason for non-religious people to still be non-religious. And this is really due to the fact that if you look into Catholic Orthodoxy or Roman Catholicism, and you look into the theology, you'll see that pretty much everyone believes that baptism helps to save you. And this, again, just simply stands as another reason for people to either go to a cult formation after they're kicked out, or, for the most part, a majority of people to just remain silent, not go into religious institutions anymore. And therefore, when they're barred through expulsion or excommunication, they stand to, again, be a non-religious individual from then on out. And it's basically the exact opposite of evangelism. Now, the question comes to pass as to whether or not people should have the aspect of being barred permanently from church or not. Truly being barred from the church should be viewed more as a follow-through process that only cult groups do, since the reasons for thus the reasons for the strong argument that all church-related groups should not at all be connected to cult-related groups, and that cult-related groups are actually occult-related, and why people should never follow cults at any time. And of course, this is how cults thrive based on secrecy and silence of people who end up getting excommunicated. There's another interrelated important reason why the subject of barring people from the church shouldn't happen in church at any point ever. While liberalism from a leftist perspective is a cult in itself, most people will obviously claim that that is not in fact the case and that leftism isn't a cult whatsoever due to the fact that most of them just simply hate religion nowadays and most assuredly Christian Catholicism or by its other name Catholic Christianity. This cult still answers to a stronger cult group, the political cult group that is dictatorship 
and intertwined with occultism is horrendously the worst type of event to happen in our time. What thoroughly should be concerning is the fact that leftist cultism and dictatorship cultism are continuously interrelated and they end up supporting each other for the cause of hating the truth. If you noticed from the article, the priest being barred is in fact a liberal and would be more likely to be liberal in a leftist way and have more of a possibility of accepting what Pope Francis has been doing in the Catholic Vatican with this agenda, even though their church formations are different. And yes, I can't exactly say his political standing 100% randomly off the bat, but if they weren't so different, you would assume that he might lean more left than right. This is why we must stop all forms of non-traditional practices in both Roman Catholic, Orthodox Catholic, and Protestantism, and quite frankly, all the other faith belief systems co-opted with leftist agenda. Leftist agenda should be completely stopped and completely barred off in of itself, and thus that's the only excommunication that we should ever do. Because the connection of dictatorship, cultism, and religion related to leftism will eventually have the possibility of destroying every form of tradition that prevents it, in which I guess Jesus will probably return. Strangely enough, why everyone is offended uh, related to the Hindu uh, religious communities over the, sh over the show that was recently released, it's far more conservatives, as I said before, than it is liberals and leftists, which is all the more alarming. Even worse, 99.9% .9 of leftists don't even think food has any value at all and has no holy value at all, which is why they deny religiosity and they deny holiness to even be an actual real aspect of life. And they normally don't even perceive any type of agenda to actually be any type of mindset worth following unless it's an LGTBQ plus agenda and that is essentially one of the main reasons why that is spreading like wildfire because if people don't stand against it within the religious groups then almost no one will. Realistically, confusion, gender confusion, quote-unquote, and traditional avoidance will never not be relevant and at war with one another. Now we move to talk about the problems in Hinduism, which are still increasingly involved in the same way. Leftist cultism has become so involved in religion, even though it's hatred for, even though it has an exclusive hatred for religion, that we have come to the point where you can make a whole movie or a whole show around undermining a religious tradition without having it be a comedy. It has slowly but surely become a reality that the cult of the left is beginning to undermine Hinduism while trying to, in some ways, undermine Catholicism at its core. The reason for this, for leftists to far more easily undermine Hinduism, of course, while undermining themselves and canceling a show that they created, is because Hinduism has so many gods. Even while people argue back and forth for their doctrinal dissertation concerning how many gods there are and how they're numbered and alphabetized. Leftists will always find a new god to follow, which ultimately means making a god out of no god, which still doesn't make sense, but is accepted by the leftist politics. If we do not end up expelling the term of expulsion and the term of excommunication, except for leftism, then 
it could very well mean the end of religiosity. The only form of expulsion and excommunication that we should apply is the one that St. Paul applied, that they would be given over to evil in order to realize that the evil must be avoided at all costs. And if we don't do so, unfortunately the church will end up looking like a dictatorship, or, God forbid, becoming the true dictatorship in religion today, which is non-religious and non-traditional leftism. Now let's get to our other stories. What's continuously concerning, however, is still the fact that millions of people have already been given over to this evil and they haven't even realized it has entangled them. Now let's get to our top four. Well, there's a brand new Amazon show out now called Has Been Hotel, which is a show comprised of two episodes currently and it's supposed to be adult-related, but obviously is done in the same animated style as Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends for some reason. And looks like it probably most likely, more than likely, was endorsed by Cartoon Network or something of that sort, since they have Adult Swim on all the time. And this movie, or this show, is continuously, or, or should be continuously, allowing adults to furthermore understand that media around television is becoming increasingly more demonic and evil, and is of course the favorite for their elites and all of the other people who dabble in evil, since the full show is nothing more than Satanism and Gnosticism, combined into a horrific mixture of confusion that should make everyone continue to ask why on earth they keep making these types of shows, and even more so cause parents everywhere to realize that TV is no longer safe for the younger generation every single solitary day. Hasbin Hotel, as it's reported, is an American adult animated musical comedy streaming television series created by Vivian Madrino. The series revolves around Charlie Morningstar, princess of hell on her quest to find a way for demons to be rehabilitated and allowed into heaven. She opens a rehabilitation hotel called Hasbin Hotel, which offers demons a chance at redemption. The series is produced by uh, inter independent entertainment company A24. Alright, so that, that makes sense. A24 makes a lot of horror movies. It's just that this is readapted into a show that no one should watch, unlike their other films, and continues to dabble in the dark arts. Now, straightforwardly, if you asked the question as to what has been exactly means, then ultimately you'll end up figuring out that has been is technically supposed to be a play on words of has been. That is to be stated that someone, quote, is described as someone who used to be popular and successful, but is considered antiqued and irrelevant to the present. And that is from Has Been Hotel Journey Fandom. And, of course, that's just, just, just a random source out there. But any sense, any sense of the word, this show by that meaning, is meant to ultimately hide the fact that 
No, this is not a has-been thing. This is, in fact, the most popular thing in Hollywood and the most popular thing in general at any given time. It's not at all antiqued or irrelevant, and the only aspect of it being antiqued is because it's ancient, and by ancient meaning ancient evil. Now, just to get a little bit of a glimpse as to why this is evil and why this is just a horrifically dark show that never at any point should have been made, there's a character in Listener Discretion Advised with this one because this is very, very edgy and should never be in a show that any children will see, but it has a character called Vaggie. I'm not making that up. A character called Vaggie. And if you have two brain cells in your head, of course you'll know what that's clearly referencing. It's a complete sexual reference that just no one needs in a cartoon show whatsoever. And on top of that, as you might predict, this character is lesbian. And there's also a lot of other homosexual characters within the show, where one of them being named Angel Dust, who is a bisexual character, or Angel Dust, who's homosexual, a bisexual character named Charlie, and a lesbian character, again, that we mentioned her name. And also, there is an asexual character named Alistair, spelled A-L-A-S-T-O-R, who is meant to be the radio demon and one of the main characters within the hotel that basically runs the place. Now, also, if you had two brain cells in your head, you might think to yourself, what is Alistair a reference to? Well, it's slightly misspelled on purpose, again, trying to hide the reality of what this movie is, or what this show is designed to be, and you realize that it's slightly misspelled because it's meant to be a clear reference to Aleister Crowley, who is a long dead and self-proclaimed Satanist and black magic practicer while he was alive. And you might not be surprised then to figure out that Aleister Crowley was also bisexual and more than likely asexual beforehand, which makes sense because when you think about it, bisexuality is the precise precursor to homosexuality and you are in fact participating in homosexuality when you do bisexuality. And asexuality is one of the biggest ways to go against God's design by not being fruitful and multiplying, which was in fact written as a command in Genesis, and while also particularly taking part in homosexuality beforehand and perhaps afterward as you're furthermore in continuous confusion. Now this might be one of the worst or one of the worst shows that has ever been released and one of the darkest that has ever been released when it comes to satanic appeal. Of course they continue to release all of these satanic shows for the wholehearted purpose of completely confusing the innocent. That's really what Satanism is and that's what Aleister Crowley stood for. As a matter of fact, Aleister Crowley wanted every single type of religion to be intermixed with dark spirituality and intermixed with Satanism. That's really what Satanists want too. They want to confuse every single aspect related thing. 
and more assuredly completely confuse the innocents that obviously will have no idea what's going on and manipulated by the certain situation. So obviously this should not be made and obviously there should be some boycotts of Amazon because of this, but sadly and assuredly people probably won't do that, especially when no one actually notices spirituality nowadays. This is even more so of a reason to not expel people from church because you'll just simply turn on the television and see shows like this. So picture this, it's a situation that a lot of people deal with, say you're on a camping trip with old friends from college and you have absolutely no beer, which is basically a bearded man's worst nightmare and probably most of his other friends' worst nightmare if you want to have fun on a camping trip, which is why you should choose Ultra Right Beer Company over your any run-of-the-line beer one-stop shop. If you use Ultra Right Beer Company, you'll keep the beer ice cold and you'll also keep the beer conservative and you'll kick out Bud Light and all the other corporations that try to wokeify your beer. Go online and order the best contender to Bud Light and one of the many conservative undoings of woke corporations. So complying with the exact same argument as most people who have their religion to be one that is completely under the influence of marijuana, why saying that religion doesn't matter, we are going to look at another very strange scenario that apparently is an attempt to make more Catholics lovers of pot. As according to The Independent, it says, Meet Mexico's weed, quote-unquote, nuns taking the plant back from the narcos. Meet the group of Mexican weed nuns pushing for the drug's legalization to take it away from the country's narco groups. Footage from the 2nd of December shows members of the group, called Sisters of the Valley, dressed as nuns on their Mexican farm, of which the exact location can't be disclosed for the group's safety. The California branch is a small business selling CBD products in the U.S., while the Mexican group consists of five sisters growing cannabis crops and pushing for the drug's legalization in Mexico. Quote, what I have always wanted and what, I'm in, what I am betting on is to take it, cannabis, back from the narco to make it legal, said Sister Bonnet, who uses the moniker for fear of reprisal. Wow. So yes, totally, totally, this is 100% a Catholic practice, yes, the majority of everyone in the world will be smoking marijuana while reciting Greek Orthodox prayers in the Greek Orthodox Church, and taking communion, and getting baptized, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, why of course taking part in all these marijuana farms and marijuana distribution, that's definitely what's going to happen. Totally, 100%. Sisters of the Valley in of itself doesn't sound Catholic because it already sounds like a cult, which we already talked about before. And just being honest here, this could be another Ozark or another Breaking Bad. This is basically how you write one of those shows. So I, I, I don't understand how people could even assume this is even 
partway Catholic, and historically, just to bring up something else yet again, using marijuana is far more Aztec than it is particularly Catholic. There's a lot of marijuana within Mexican history going as far back as Incan Mayan Aztec and probably going even further back to other groups of peoples that were once in Mexico, but still, this is not a Catholic theological clarification whatsoever. It looks more like something that Netflix or Amazon or a Max would probably release as a new Breaking Bad or Ozark sequel or something. Come to think of it, also, it's coming out of California, which doesn't exactly happen to be you know, the strongest Catholic nation in all the United States. And even the article itself puts nuns in parentheses if, if you read the article, so I don't exactly know how that supports your case. But imagine, imagine, imagine this. Imagine being mad that the Vatican had connections to the Mafia historically, and that's why you're not Catholic. But then also imagine that you're mad that cannabis isn't being supported by Catholicism. It makes absolutely no sense. You have to either hate the mafia and hate drugs or love the mafia and love drugs because the mafia is one of the reasons why drugs are all over the place and overdosing is one of the reasons why drugs are all over the place and illegal distribution is one of the reasons why drugs are all over the place. And, I don't know, a bunch of people high off their ass and high out of their mind is, again, one of the reasons why drugs are continuously all over the place. But going back to the statement where she says, I want to take it back from the narco and make it legal, this is the continuous argument of the left that drugs are fine. It, it's not fine when people with narcotics dealings and gangs shoot at you, that's not fine. But it's completely, utterly fine to use the drugs, take them from the narco groups, and then legally distribute them. You're assuming there that the that, that you, as someone who is a drug user, will not become particularly a gang. You will not become the narcos yourself, or become addicted or both at the exact same time. You're, you're assuming that won't happen. Even though that's, that's the only reason why there is gang problems and drug-related problems related to gangs. It's the whole of distribution. That's, that's why there's a problematic issue throughout the United States and really honestly throughout the world. Why else would people be shooting rap music videos where they always have fake guns all over the place. It's because you want to protect what you have. You don't want anyone to steal it. Obviously, people use that for the First Amendment, Second Amendment, all that. But they're protecting their livelihood and they're protecting their property. They're not protecting drug paraphernalia. People are also using guns to protect their families. Again, not drug paraphernalia. Now, with the simple Google search, it's very straightforwardly clear, 100%, that this is in fact a business-related cult, which is the worst type of cult. And of course, yes, cults are a business in general, but when I say business cult, I don't refer to, say, like, 
the whole of Mormonism or something like that. I refer to simply a non-religious cult because, as a matter of fact, if you actually Google, are the Sisters of the Valley actually religious, then the first solitary thing that will come up is that they're in fact not religious, but they are not ref they're, they're not only not religious specifically to Catholicism, but they're not religious in any way, shape, or form. Despite their clothing, the women are not Catholic or any other religion. They are part of an international group founded in 2014 called the Sisters of the Valley, which has pledged to spread the gospel of the healing powers of cannabis. So, very clearly, very clearly this is not Catholic. It's just the same new age perception and cosplay which obviously is why we have to ignore it altogether and we can certainly not at any point introduce that into our catholic churches as the source of aldraza clearly says all right so before we get to the ending section of the show I have this other story that is very very interesting and very very heart-wrenching and horrible that has currently unfolded recently. Uh, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Port-au-Prince confirmed to the Miami Herald six Haitian nuns and two companions were kidnapped at gunpoint Friday in the nation's capital. The nuns were members of the Congregation of St. Anne at Port-au-Prince. They were abducted as they traveled on a bus along with a young girl and a driver, Archbishop Monsieur Max Lanarde Masurder said the incident occurred around 7 a.m. Friday at Port-au-Prince near Avenue Christopher. The area is controlled by the Grande Ravine and Village Adjou Gangs. It's unclear which group took the nuts. So this is a horrifically unfortunate story and Obviously, this is what people are completely asking for if they want legalized drugs. As I said before, this is just what's going to continue to happen. People are going to become gangs, and this is a horrific situation, especially for God's chosen who are called to be nuns. Now, particularly as interesting as it is, you know, St. Anne, a lot of people don't know this, especially people not in the Catholic Church. She's apparently the mother of the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, although there is no mention of Anne in the Bible. Non-biblical books from the early Christian centuries, however, discuss her and say that uh, her uh, she was married to Yachim, uh, which is uh, from other Gnostic text sources. And then Anne was childish for many years, within their marriage before she gives birth to Mary. So it's basically a precursor uh, to the birth of Mary before the birth of Jesus, before the salvation of the world, which honestly is a pretty fascinating story, but to the fact that it comes from Gnostic texts, it's most likely particularly wrong and most likely not a story to believe. But still, back to the other story, this is wholeheartedly why we can't legalize marijuana because we're going to end up threatening the church with it. We're going to end up threatening every single type of world religiosity with drug paraphernalia and with gang affiliation and with 
people that stoop into drug paraphernalia and thus are either partaking in evil actions or partaking in gang-related affairs. And while the whole Gnostic taking what the church is named after is not really obviously not the reason at all for this to occur, but this is ultimately why we have to outlaw every single type of drug that is not prescription controlled by the pharmacies and actually prescription controlled to actually aid in ailments. Because you'll only continue to cause ailments over and over and over again. And obviously alongside of everyone in the Catholic Church, I pray for those nuns and everyone who was taken with them. So as we end the show today, we are going to look at the top three stupidest relationship tests so far. And obviously from every part of Reddit that talks about this and every single online anything that talks about a man breaking up with his girlfriend or wife or whoever after she tests him about 67 times before he even gets up out of bed. We're going to look at the top three stupidest ones because obviously day by day we have to keep having new relationship test ideas instead of actually going to a therapist or instead of actually, I guess, communicating from husband to wife and wife to husband. Now, number three, and, and again, these tests are very hard to rate. They're all gloriously stupid. And yeah, here we go. I guess we'll try to guess we'll try to rate them. And number three is the mustard test. Now this has been published recently as of 2021 and continued into this year. It easily stands as a psychological practice that makes you feel like your relationship is getting cleaned up while not doing anything at all while also stressing the hell out of her boyfriend completely at the exact same time. This test consists of putting mustard on a table or mustard on something at the very least. And then you as the girlfriend, if you are the girlfriend, if you're the woman, you ask your boyfriend to clean up the mustard because that's a really good thing to do. I, I, I would perceive if people spilled mustard everywhere. You ask the boyfriend to clean up the mustard and if he misses a spot or he messes up or he just won't clean it up, then he is there for a horrendous partner and she get broken up with. So this is a stupid test for one reason because you're wasting good mustard that can be placed on a BLT or perhaps within a Bloody Mary beverage. But also because it's not a reasonable way to know if a man is not someone that you should be dating and is not someone you should be with. Really, you should understand that all you have to do is ask them, have conversations with them, state, what's your religion? What's your religious affiliation? What do you believe? Do you want kids? Do you want to actually move forward with this relationship? Do you want to get married? Do you want to actually do anything at all related to a life together? 
and you don't have to spill and put mustard on anything at all. And by the way, this is basically the same as assuming that if he doesn't make his bed or if he leaves his room messy because he has to go to work to, I don't know, pay for the mortgage or something, that he's then therefore not a good partner, which again doesn't make any sense because people leave messes all the time, people mess up all the time, people sometimes don't make their beds literally all the time. So that has absolutely nothing to do with being a good partner or not. It just means that you are particularly in a rush. But yes, still don't leave mustard everywhere, I guess. Put it in a Bloody Mary beverage because that's, that's really the best way to do it. But that's a stupid test. A uh, second test is called the bird test, which already just sounds confusing even when you have the context to it. But it essentially takes one word out of millions that someone could be interested in, in this scenario, bird watching, which is called why it's called the bird test. And it's a relationship test where a female says, wow, look at that bird in the middle of a normal conversation. And if the man looks over super interested, then apparently he is someone that you should marry on the spot which again is a stupid conclusion due to the fact that, well, a relationship can't be decided on a small aspect like look at that colorful dog you don't own. Literally every single thing about life, well not every single thing about life, but a lot of things about life can be very beautiful and very heralding to look at, but then again nowadays, how are you gonna be able to use this test as a woman when feminism is telling you to hate men to begin with. That's the stupidity in this test. And also it's a stupid test because everyone's interested in something different. I do podcasting. I do media. I enjoy watching certain particular shows. I enjoy martial arts. I enjoy sports. I enjoy exercising. But I could very well date a young woman who likes absolutely none of those things and she could just be Christian Catholic and we could get along just fine. So this is a completely stupid, idiotic test and it definitely should not be what you base your whole marriage off of. And lastly, when I think about it, maybe it was more easy to rate which ones were stupider than the others, I guess. This has to be the stupidest one since this is in their lineup here. It's just known primarily by uh, the majority of people, I guess, as the sexual music test or the sexual real test because people have just come up with so many names for it now that the only thing relative to the topic in the title is just simply test. You don't really know what to make of it because there's a million reels on social media. But the sexual music test, or the sexual real test, is one of the most double standard ones, especially for feminists and women out there. It has been used by a large amount of individuals who are well known, you know, for dancing in front of a camera uh, for about seven seconds before they post it and get 10 million views for some reason. But a lot of people have used this 
and it involves you as the woman playing a highly sexualized tune that is known to be very sexual and a reel. And then if your man looks to the side at your phone, thus wondering why on earth you're playing a sexual tune out of context for absolutely no reason at all, then that means he'd be more likely to cheat. Of course, this is stupid in literally every single solitary way because the man isn't the one looking it up. It, it's the most obvious thing in the world. The man is not the one looking it up. You're looking it up, and you're trying to make your man look at what you looked up. This is essentially the same exact thing as looking up inappropriate content online and then sticking the computer that you use to look up inappropriate content online in front of your boyfriend and asking him why he's looking up inappropriate content online. It's the exact same thing. You are ensuring that he will fail it because he's going to wonder why are you playing that sound out of context. It's, it's the most realistic, obvious test in absolutely no way, shape, or form. This is this probably a step-by-step -step test that would be on one of those fake websites that installs malware into your computer or your phone. So, no, this is not a test to use to predict the validity of a marriage and liquidity of a marriage, if you will. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. I will try to get the YouTube channel up, and I will talk to you later on. Have a good day.